news this evening is speculation concerning the real facts behind the Department of Health announcement about a radioactive spill supposed to have occurred yesterday at the state nuclear plant. You know what you're thinking. Mine's bigger than yours, right? It's not fair. Throw it away. All right? Tons of popcorn there. Yeah. And all you gotta do is go climb a tree to go eat it. <laughs> it was a night like any other night. Then something happened. Oh, good lord. It's. It's unbelievable. It's. It's horrible. Welcome to the Really Awful Movies Podcast, a celebration of low-budget cinema. The sleep of reason gives birth to monsters. Hi, my name's Chris, and along with Jeff, we're bringing you the very best and worst of horror, sci-fi, post-apocalyptic wasteland, kung fu, and women in prison movies from the 1960s to today. Check us out at reallyawfulmovies.com, part of the Crypt TV family. Oh, hi. What's your name? David. David, huh? You're being redundant. Redundant? Well, that's a big word for such a little guy. Don't refer to me as a little guy. I'm a 12-year-old male. I'm sorry. I just meant... My friends and I were in an accident. I know. We're the only survivors. But your mother and father are going to be glad to hear that you're okay. It was quite frightening, crashing in the middle of nowhere. Because of my ingenuity, we survived. I see. We are on our way to Hollywood where it happened. Oh, so you're an actor. Among other things. The group and I were going to make a movie. I see. Well, that must be fascinating. Green's a lovely color. Don't you think it goes with my eyes? So? Nice material, poor stuff. Gotta go now, Mr. Uh... Beckman. Harvey Beckman. We will be friends, Harvey Beckman. From our downtown Toronto headquarters, here's episode 157 Devil Times Five. Devil Times Five. I don't remember that on the multiplication tables, do you? Uh, no. So, because well, 5 times 5 is 25, right? <laughs> yeah, that much we know. <laughs> yeah, and 25 times 5 is 125. Yes. So the devil is 666, uh-huh. so, right? Uh, yes. So what's 666 times 5? Uh, I'm putting on the spot, aren't I? Yes, you are. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, that's, that's mm. just, you know, a little mathematics to start mm. the podcast. Actually, I want to start the podcast by asking you, how are you doing? How are you, Chris? I'm doing very well. And how are you? I'm doing just fine. <laughs> this reason, is an unorthodox uh, beginning to no, the, the no, show. I know. I know. And the reason why I'm doing this is because as we're recording this, it's, I guess you say, early to mid-December. And uh, the season is upon us, the Christmas season. I'm starting to feel the spirit. The snow is starting to fall. The trees are coming out. The lights. 
there's that feeling in the air that Christmas, you know, people seem to be a little bit more festive, you know, all that stuff. And of course, you know, whenever we have these uh, holidays, these are hallmarks and they bring back memories, whether it be something auditory or olfactory or tactile or what have you, they bring back memories. And for many people, the Christmas season brings memories, both good and bad. I mean, we, you know, let's not mince words for some. The Christmas season is the it's the most <laughs> wonderful yeah. time of the year. For some people, it's the complete opposite. It's the worst time of the year. Some people, I mean, there's no um, ac it's no accident that suicide rates do rise exponentially in the month of December. But you know, not being a religious person and not coming from a culture that even celebrates Christmas, I've always enjoyed the season. But that's not the memory that's coming to me right now. The memory that's coming to me is this. Two years ago, I'm not going to say two years ago to the date, because I don't know the exact date, but two years ago, mid-December, you sat where you're sitting right now, and you asked me that very same question. How are you, Jeff? And I said, just fine. How are you, Chris? And that was when we recorded our very first ever episode of the Really Awful Movies podcast. Wow, an auspicious day. Your Hunter from the Future. Huh. That... 11 and a half minute episode, <laughs> which I cringe with embarrassment when I listen to now, but that was the day, you know, it was mid-December that we sat down and we recorded your, and I believe our second episode was Land of Doom, and our third episode was From Beyond, and on and on and on, and these were short episodes two years ago, and so we're coming up on the two-year anniversary of the Really Awful Movies podcast. We didn't broadcast the first episode until i believe it was either december 31st or january 1st it was right around the new year so that's gonna be the official two-year anniversary but the actual beginning of it all when we sat down and turned on the recorder for the first time two years ago and so i'm reminiscing a bit and as i recall we didn't know what the fuck we were doing ergo we only some would argue we still don't well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> no no we, we've honed our craft a little more and uh, if you've noticed, as long-time listeners to the show, we never, ever ask how one another is. Mm -hmm. Because uh, after, I think, even before I think we started our episodes, I said, you know what really irks me about podcasts is people who start launching into their own personal business and ask how one another is. So we've gone two years and we've bookended this two-year period mm -hmm. with how are you's, but in between we've completely ignored them. But that's the hilarious thing because... You did say that before we started. Oh my god, it was so cringeworthy. And yet, as mm. soon as I press play, how are you, Jeff? Yeah. Said, yeah. It's fine. How are you, Chris? <laughs> Welcome to the Really Awful Movies yeah. Podcast, a celebration of low budget cinema. Uh, yeah. no, but anyway, two years have gone by. Now we're recording number episode number, what is this? 157. We've talked a lot, man. We have indeed. Like, like think about it. Think of all that and just like, convert it to minutes. How many minutes we've spent talking to each other about movies. Oh my god, I don't even want to think about it, but there is a website that tells you how many hours old you are, okay. and uh, how many days, and all that, and that's pretty disturbing as well, so, mm -hmm. and then it'll tell you, it'll ballpark based on your little background you input when you're going to pass as well, so, but yeah, when you think about these stats of how long you spend in traffic, there's always that one, how long you spend in sleep, mm -hmm. a third of your life. How long you've been waiting in line. Oh my god, yeah. But when you think about how many hours you spend talking to each other, how many hours you spend watching the movies... We have devoted a good chunk of these, this last few <laughs> yeah, years this to true. this podcast, but... This almost sounds like a coda. We are going to continue. No, exactly. <laughs> I didn't want this to sound like a coda. This is just a reflection. This yeah, is yeah. the season. 
But I, I don't uh, regret it for the world. I mean, it's been a blast. And sure. it's going to continue to be a blast. And as we continue doing this, we continue discovering uh, more and more interesting movies, such as today's movie, which was actually a recommendation. We always say, if you recommend a movie to us, we will do our utmost to podcast it. And this was a recommendation. Uh, yes, yeah, so on the theme of twos... Uh, sometimes called the terrible twos, if it's in relation to kids. But uh, this would be the terrific twos, because this would be our second recommendation from Twitter that we followed up on directly. And we are working on our second book, so two is hopefully auspicious mm -hmm. here. This is courtesy of someone in the Pacific Northwest. I wish I could remember where, but it's D.M. Elms, who reacted to a tweet I did about the excellent uh, otherworldly creature feature called Snow Beast. Mm -hmm. And... They said to us, devil times five, this is a must-see, basically. I can't remember the gist of the back and forth. And to me, devil times five sounds like like a bonanza sheriff going into an Arizona town. Like, it sounds like a western. And I thought, what is this? And then I started to look it up. Right, you think of like Cutthroat's Nine or something? I don't know. It just doesn't sound like a horror film, like especially one with children. Mm -hmm. It has no... I just thought someone, you know, this town ain't big enough for the both of us, that kind of thing. The devil rides off into the sunset. And then I realized... This, devil and Miss Jones? There's lots of that's, devils. That's not a western. <laughs> no, no. True enough. Although that has a little bit of similarity with this movie. Because... I did not know what to expect when I saw this, and mm -hmm. not only did not know, know, know what to expect, but I also didn't realize I own this. Really? part of that fable? It is. we talking about? The gift that keeps on giving. The Mill, Mill, Mill Creek. Creek yeah. And also, this was recently, I guess, transferred as you know, onto a Blu-ray by Code Red, which I found out about two hours ago. Really? Which thrills me to bits, because mm -hmm. I enjoyed this debacle immensely and as did i oh my god yeah devil, devil times five from 1974 this is one in a long litany of killer kids movies just a small sample now you know the bad seed was one of the i guess, well perhaps one of the first hmm. i believe that was 1956 we have films like the offspring of course the brood the pit which we podcast oh, yeah, that one. the omen bloody birthday Children of the Corn, Children of the Corn, corn The Children, yeah. so many more. This is the, the tip of the iceberg. Killer kids. Yeah. There's something about kids which is inherently sinister. And you and I, we are not parents. Not that we know of, no. No, exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> it's one of the reasons why we, why we don't have kids, because we find them evil and sinister? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's just, jeez. Uh, it's just, again, upending and subverting expectations of how people are meant to behave. And nothing... I'm not even talking about killer baby movies. Like it's a oh, yeah, that's which this. we're going to get to, of course. Yeah, uh, this but is this killer. is... Yeah. yeah. Uh, but also, it takes the killer kid genre, which people are inherently, I guess, uh, frightened of, and mixes it with the home invasion genre, that which too. I don't think I've ever seen in well, this context. I mean, teenagers maybe storm in mm. and do brutalize, but these are... These are little kids. There is a, a wonderful home invasion movie. I it's it's a foreign film, and I can I believe it's from out of Sweden, but don't uh, quote me on that because I don't know it for a fact. I'm like a Googler right now, but I'm not mm. going to bother. And perhaps this was in some weird way influenced by Devil Times Five because Devil Times Five is pretty fucking ridiculous. This this one that I'm going to talk now is a, a, a solid movie. A solid home invasion movie where the perpetrators are young kids 
they wear masks, almost like a juvenile version of this. Was it The Strangers? That movie with uh, Milo. I think it was Milo Jovovich and. Um, oh jeez. Yeah, I believe, yeah, or the yeah. Anyhow, this is a movie called. It, the translation was them, but it's ILS, ILS, mm-hmm. ILS, and it's an incredibly terrifying, taut home invasion movie where a couple is terrorized by a bunch of young kids who are invading their home with homicidal intent. And what makes that movie so scary is there's no actual reason given for why the kids are acting the way they do. Oftentimes, we need to be given a reason because that provides a bit of context. Yeah, huh? context, but not just that, a little bit of you know reassurance or sucker or whatever you know like oh he was abused or oh you know this or oh that and that i can understand why such and such i mean i think of a movie called uh we have to talk about kevin which was a portrait of uh it's not a, well it's a horrific movie not a horror movie starring tula swinton and it's a portrait of a, a child who ended up committing horrific acts of violence and they then go sort of backwards and examine his uh you know parental upbringing how his father treated him how his mother treated him how they sort of swept the obvious signs under the rug you know that exam and that's good i like i like those you know sort of portrait ups you know mm. henry portrait of a serial killer sort of thing another invasion Although, type movie yeah a very prominent scene is that is a home invasion there but not strictly a home invasion movie but although even with henry there's not a lot of backstory given to henry i mean there's a lot of unreliable narrator in there but we don't really get a definitive backstory as to who henry is um, this is now I'm sort of going off on a tangent, but what I'm trying to say is that in this movie, the only thing that's explained is that they come, they were escapees from, uh, you know, children's mental sanitarium hospital. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, this is a product of the seventies. This is goofy. This is just bizarre as hell. There's some really, really what the fuck moments. And one of the indicators always of a movie being batshit crazy is that it has multiple titles hmm. you know aka and this is a movie that has a lot of akas for example people toys i don't i don't understand the title i guess because they're <laughs> toying with them in the house well yeah makes more sense well hmm. no but, i like uh, devil times five so there's five of them right there are five kids these kids were devils uh, yeah devil yes. <laughs> yeah right well for yeah there's many bones to pick but yeah okay tantrums was another um title like the horrible house on the hill too much like House on Haunted Hill. And, mm-hmm. uh, I even think it was at the very end of the credits, you know, usually before the credits, they show the title. It said The Beginning. Did you see that? Yeah, I did. Know? I did see that. What uh, was that all about? Uh, I don't know. Is that know, another but... alternate title that comes <laughs> in the credits? But, but the, I guess uh, this is the work of many hands, some of whom disavowed themselves from the well, finished product. the work of many hands. Uh, well, yeah. More, uh, you know, I, I, okay, directorially right? speaking, okay, I should say. Yeah. I, Alan <laughs> Smithy accepted here, but I think there was two. One person, if I'm not mistaken, shot a bunch of footage that was, I guess you want to say, finished off by his successor. And that's how the finished product has resulted in something so... Uh, indelibly strange and bizarre. Actually, I gotta confess, I rewatched the opening scene about four or five times because uh, we're introduced to a couple and then there's a cut to a van and they're going on a road trip. Mm-hmm. And I was under the impression when I was first watching it that it was the couple that got into the accident in the van, which they did not. So I rewatched it several times and then I noticed that the driver was somebody else and then if you're watching very closely you find that the van was leaving the gates in tiny font of what was a sanitarium 
Sanatorium? What's the difference? Sanitarium. Sanitarium, okay. <laughs> one, one sounds like a house for the Metallica. One's a hospice for the aged and the other's for the mentally ill. I don't know. I don't know the difference. Anyway, you have to be paying attention because, and other people have said this online too, like you don't know what exactly is happening and you don't see the kids in the van for reasons of shoddy filmmaking. All you see them is once the van crashes, they're poking about and taking the money of the driver and saying, yeah. are they, they all dead? But you don't know that they're there, necessarily. They're, they seem unscathed. Well, okay, but, yes, okay, first of all, we have this couple, and Rick and, I believe, and Julie, and they're heading up to Julie's uh, father, uh, you gotta love the name, Papa Doc. Yeah, like, like the, the Haitian dictator. Papa Doc Duvalier? Uh, that's what I like. What is there? Like, no, no. Or the uh, delicious Indian cracker, like. Uh, you know, Papa Dom? Papa Dom, yeah. Papa Dom. But I, pop, I just. No, uh, Papa Docs or uh, some sort of. It's Papa Doc, you know, he's one of these uh, patriarchs that rules over with Iron Fist. Yeah. Businessman, everybody sort of cowers in fear. They don't know what to he's say. He's a to kowtow Papa to Dom. him. He's the man. Exactly. Mm. And, and this Rick, he's not only the um, paramour of Papa Doc's daughter, he also works for Papa Doc. And they're heading up to this, I guess, chalet. Yeah, there's lots mountain. of guesswork. Yeah. So the point is, what I understand is when we first meet them, they're in sunny, what is it? It looks like sunny Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. And there's even... Uh, they are in California, yeah. Yeah, they're in California. There's a meteorological report talking about, oh, well, it's uh, 76 degrees in the shade. and then. But if you go to the very creatively named Snow Mountain, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I like, I like the, yeah, the, I love that, yeah. the literalism there. Mm. Things are gonna get a little, a little hairy, yeah. And not only that, but right away they, they explain away, you know, a lot of the a lot of the things that might hinder applause from going forward. <laughs> yeah, of course. Oh, there's high, heavy winds. Power lines are being knocked out. Yeah, ten no, feet of snow. No, no uh, phone uh, service. Service. Yeah. Now, two questions. Number one, because you're you're the geography man. Like, do they have locales like snowy climbs? That are literally like two hours away from a place of seventy degrees. <laughs> I'm guessing if you go high enough, like once you hit ten thousand feet, mm-hmm. there's got to be its own, you know, uh, climate up there. You can hella ski. I think California has skiing. But yeah, the, the, it just added to the level of confusion about this because you're mentioning that Papa Doc uh, was the patriarch of some murky business. Like mm-hmm. they don't really say what he does no, although he talks about how he's going to open a facility we can only presume this meeting is with some hospital administrators to open another facility of the type that would house these kids like there's so many no, questions any, See, any I, I don't know either some no. people called him a mobster so i'm trying to fit like i'm doing post hoc reading about who they are because mm. this thing is so confusing i did rewatch it several times in the <laughs> beginning to figure out who and why and how like these are the four W's of journalism, <laughs> like where, when, what, like why are they all there in the mountains, mm-hmm. and who are all these people, well, and, the and people how do they relate? Well, apart from one of them, it, is, they relate. Is another is another employee of Papa Doc's attorney <laughs> by the name of uh, Harvey Berkman, and Harvey Beckman. Oh, Harvey Beckman. Sorry, <laughs> I was thinking I was thinking Harvey Birdman, attorney at law. Do you remember that that old cartoon? <laughs> no. Was, oh, okay. Well, that was, uh, Good night, Harvey Beckman. Yeah, and he, and he was played by an unrecognizable. Oh, really. to me, for sure. Yeah, again, this is after the fact uh, research. Yeah, uh, post prior, you know, you check out, oh, who was in this movie? And you, you see this picture of Boss Hogg, you know, the unmistakable visage of Boss Hogg from Dukes of Hazard. Sorrel Brooks, the guy who played Boss Hogg, he played Harvey. Yeah, yeah, the man in the the Colonel Sanders white uh, shining yeah. suit on it, like 
um, you know, we, we both love that show. And it's <laughs> yeah, like, them two boys were in a lot of trouble. And it's Uncle Jesse. It's like, I probably saw every episode. I, I used to slide, shimmy uh, in and out of my uh, father's car <laughs> oh window my. all over the time. I really did, man. That is amazing. I never, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, open that window. I'm coming in, you know. <laughs> I was small enough to do so. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. And, and Boss Hogg was, of course, like the... Um, you know, the corrupt uh, villain sheriff of the county of, although, of Hazard although who would those, go after these yeah, two those, young those, kids. Those darn doof boys. <laughs> yeah. Those damn darn doof boys are really moonshiners, you know, yeah. bootleggers, what have you, with uh, Uncle Jesse and, mm. uh, of course, Roscoe P. Coltrane. And it was just a great show. I mean, Unbelievable. okay, you know, Prophet's Time, you know, they generally had the Confederate flag on it, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, that show was just, it was a rip roaring good time. Oh, and how, how many bridges could that thing scale? Say, there was not <laughs> the one transmission episode, on that yeah, car has yeah, got to be a, where off the charts. It didn't loop over <laughs> some sort of bridge. It was, oh, I loved it, loved it. Uh, Bo and Luke Duke. But, yeah, unrecognizable, completely unrecognizable. You would not recognize that uh, that was the man who was in that Colonel Sanders regalia. So they're going up to this mountain. Yes, you mentioned the crash, and it's a short bus, a yellow school bus. And, you know, the short bus has become a euphemism for yeah, uh, the, the Differently bus. challenged. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, oh, what, did you take the short bus to yeah, school Yeah, did you wear a hockey uh, helmet and you weren't on yeah. the team? You know, like, well, uh, these kids really should have been riding the short bus because they're coming out of a sanatorium. Hmm. And they are, I guess, the there's five of them. One of them played by... Burgeoning teen idol Leif Garrett. This Leif Garrett, he was a teen idol in the 70s, and uh, he appeared in a few movies, a couple of genre movies. I mean, he was in Walking Tall, the first one. Not yeah. the one, not the sequels that starred our mutual fave, Paul Svensson, but the original Walking Tall with the incredible uh, Joe Don Baker. He was also in a movie that you reviewed for our site way back when called Cheerleader Camp. Yes. But he was mostly known for two things. Uh, um, well, you know, he's had a some disco songs and we had a minor hit called I Was Made for Dancing. Yeah, and he, I think he covered like Lay Your Head on My Shoulder, yeah. which is I believe a Paul Anka, like a sappy uh, love yeah. song. But yeah, he, he was a teen idol, uh, geez, uh, actor, uh, triple, no, double threat. I don't and, know, could he, could yeah. he dance too? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but the other thing that Leif Garrett is known for, or Leif Garrett, is his uh, substance abuse problems. Mm. Uh, <laughs> a very, uh, one of the most uh, popular episodes of Behind the Music dealt with Leif Garrett. Nobody could believe what had become of this guy. I mean, he just... I'm surprised he never made out to celebrity rehab. Because he mm. was... Yeah, he... And the funny thing, too, is that in uh, 2007, he actually put out a comeback record. And this record sold less than 300 copies. Oh, no. So it just goes to show how, you know, <laughs> how the mighty can fall. Wow. But the, the mighty Leif Garrett is in this movie. He plays one of the devils. He plays... And it's really four kids and... I guess you would call her their guardian of sorts. Yeah, their protector. Their she's also matriarch. young, and she's a, she's a, she's a nun. Mm. A nun. But the question is, is she really a nun? Is she really a woman of cloth? At one point, she's at, they ask her, oh, you're, you look a little young to be a nun. She mentions being a novice, always wearing sunglasses. Interestingly enough about this nun is that she was the underage girlfriend of the second director of the film, and she was also an albino. Uh-huh. And a lot of the, the shawls she's wearing, the glasses were there to hide her albinoism. Hmm. You seem lost in thought. Uh, no, I'm just, I was also, I'm just so, uh, his sister was also in the, in the film too, who played the younger uh, kid who was about half the size of, I, I think, the greatest character in this uh, fivesome, who would be 
the little general. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was his name there? I don't recall his name. Yeah, but he, he was, was just great. Like he speaks in all the military ease, like mm-hmm. AWOL and CO for commanding officer, mm-hmm. and he says stuff like negative, affirmative, yeah. and he salutes, and it's you know it's it's a great conceit. It, yeah, he was this little black kid, and he was dressed in fatigues, combat fatigues, and uh, he was uh, all of his vernacular was in that it was in military jargon, yeah. what have you, parlance of the military. But you also mentioned the le- uh, Leaf Gear. I'm gonna call him Leaf because okay, yeah, him. sure. The Leaf Gear sister. So was his mother. Who? Oh, who was that? She was lovely. Oh well, wow. <laughs> uh, she was well, lovely, but yeah, she, she was lovely as well. Yeah, was she was lovely. Yeah. Lovely was another daughter of Papa Doc's. Who was there? She was a bit of a. This is she's supposed to be the uh, the sex symbol of the um, the film, and there's another character we've got to talk about, and this is um, slow witted Ralph. Another observation: Why are the caretakers in these movies always slow witted? <laughs> yeah. You know, Ralph is a caretaker of the Papadoc estate and or the Papadoc chalet or villa, and you know they're only there when they come up there for you know vacation. So he, he's the one that stays there. 365 days a year, doing menial chores, etc., etc. He's also the first victim of these kids when they finally do come upon the house. Well, he's the first victim of any sort because he is... Oh, jeez. That yeah. was not Ralph. I thought that was Ralph. I know we're going to talk about No, right. no, I meant oh. victim as in... Uh, although we're going to get to that too because oh, I was okay. very confused. I have a lot of questions for you, but yeah. he was a victim of another sort, if you want to put it this way. Oh, he was somewhat, I think, the, sexually uh, abused. You're talking about the by, sexual taunting by Lovely. By, by Lovely, yeah. and uh, she, this guy is clearly... Uh, probably low IQ, maybe 60, 70, menial worker, and uh, she presses him as to whether he's ever been with a woman, and he doesn't know what she's talking about. He he has his pet rabbits. It's almost like you he's, know, he's uh, very uh, Lenny like. Yeah, Lenny like, and and yeah. he he's more about petting his rabbits and doing household chores and and all this stuff. And she asks him, "Oh, have you ever been with a woman?" And then she gets him to take off his top and his pants, mm-hmm. and it's this, and she's and laughing she at it, and, and it's so seventies in a way, like the weird sexual undertones and just oddness you mentioned sweden earlier is i know that's going to come up as well this has elements of a swedish sex film in it too so yeah that that came out of the blue and yeah bizarre tone all over the map well there's one part that we're going to talk about soon that's so tonally <laughs> i mean oh my god if you want to take a talk about a scene that seems like it came from another movie altogether it's coming and we're going to get to it but the other thing about i was going to say about ralph is that why is it that those that are two slices short of a full loaf in movies are always named ralph not always, yeah. but often. Yeah. Look at Crazy Ralph in the Thirteen series. It seems to be Ralph, Ralphie, Ralphus. It just seems to be the name for these, you know, slow-witted people. Yeah. So that's another thing. But yeah, so so this short bus crashes. The driver's dead, and the and, but the kids survive miraculously. They I, and I don't think they it was explicitly stated, but I'm sure they caused the crash. Yeah. So as to escape, yeah. I don't. We don't know where they were. Uh, we know where they were coming from. We don't know where they were being taken to. We do know that there was a uh, older gentleman in hot pursuit because he knew what these kids were capable of doing. He looked to be maybe a, a priest, and he was trying to get to these kids because he knows what they were their homicidal intent. But he ends up. Succumbing to the elements, uh, yeah, that's the thing too. Oh, well, that's that... just speculation too, because totally, uh, yeah. I didn't know who he was, and I was going to text you, and then I thought, oh, we're just going to discuss it here. Like, yeah, maybe he was a monsignor, maybe he was just some high-level ranking, if uh, like sanitarium official, maybe he was some law enforcement. Like, and and regarding Ralph and his non non demise, as, as we should see, 
like I don't know who the victims are no. in this film, and I didn't know that the kids necessarily perpetrated the uh, accident in air quotes. If it was an accident, like there's so many, no, we I, don't know. It's we, so shoddily constructed. You know, I mean, hey, not in movies. Sometimes a little ambiguity is good. I mean, some of our favorite uh, movies have you know ambiguity. Uh, yeah, well, a bugbear of ours in, in Don't Go in the Woods, dot, 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 alone, was that people would just emerge as if dropped in from on high. Mm-hmm. They would get killed, and at least you, got, you knew what they were and who they were mm-hmm. to the extent that they were hikers. And then you figure, okay, yeah. in the woods, you're a hiker, you die, so what? You don't care? But these were legit people. I didn't know who they were well, or okay. why they were killed I, or what I, they were doing there. Like I surmised, <laughs> and I think, I think that the movie... Made enough implications for me to infer that they were going on some sort of outing, some sort of field trip, maybe to the zoo or something. I don't know why. Yeah. Maybe to ski. Who the hell? Well, who know. who knows? So like just the whole thing. But the reality is that these were homosexual kids. So I'm sure, I am positive that they caused the accident. And what an accident too, because that that the roll tour bus rolls and rolls mm-hmm. and ro- it's great seeing uh, buses roll down hills mm-hmm. but this was interminable this thing went on for at least <laughs> well, uh, seven or eight minutes what a great segue because the apotheosis of interminable has to be this yes oh my god that theme song I, I was I was humming it but on my way walking here today. Do you know I, I could not take it. Do you I could not. I could not. Oh, I, I was whistling it for two straight do you, days. Do you realize what you're whistling? <laughs> what is that? Head, shoulders, knees. knees almost toes. that. A little it bit of not, like it's very, a little bit of like London, that I, London Bridge. Yeah, I it was London Bridge. But then I realized, and there's so many variations thereof. I'm going to talk about that too later on. But yeah, for the movie, I'm like, wait a second. I'm, I'm tormented Bridge. by that. That's sitting with me for yeah, days. Oh, because, when the movie begins and we see uh, Rick and Julie driving and it's being played on a recorder. Yeah. That fucking plastic instrument they yeah. gave you when you had before. Hey, I had a wooden one. Oh, you had a wooden one? I was all uh, yeah. fancy. I was having trouble. Anyway. Another thing I want to talk about, I want to talk about Rick too because he's meant to be, you know, the good looking... Yeah, he's the Lothario like playboy. He looked like an aged Terry... Well, not an aged... The man is aged now. He looked like Terry Bradshaw. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> he just looked, he was this balding, mustachioed, blonde. Oh, uh, I was going to say one of the, uh, oh, one of the members of the Four Horsemen. Uh, uh, Arn Anderson? Arn Anderson, yeah. yeah. Arn Anderson, too. And it's funny because, yeah, he had a balding pate, and at one point they're all sitting around the dinner table, and none actually comments on how healthy his hair is. Is that some sort of ironic? Yeah, I don't know. I, I rewatched that too. I watched this twice in the span of four days. I'm so sorry I, for you. <laughs> no, I, I, was, I was mesmerized by it. Like the first time I was sort of dismissive and then, yeah, I was catching on all these little subtleties. It just made this just, it's so delicious. Mm-hmm. But not only that, I, not just the subtleties, but just the glaring holes in my understanding of this. So I'm interested to hear you fill in my gaps in understanding because my god there's so much that i still have questions about yes. and this may warrant a third viewing so so they cause the accident that's what i yeah that, that's fair enough yeah and they escape and for some reason they are all unscathed even though this van rolled about 55 <laughs> and they they managed to all crawl out from the wreckage without one scratch and they then want to find shelter and I think, you know, these kids came from, the actual place they came from is 
the P. Brown State Mental Hospital Children's Ward, and they all have homicidal intent, and they come upon Papa Doc's chalet. Now, I don't know how the Monsignor got word that they were going there. Yeah. There's everywhere. <laughs> you know, there was no communication. Phones were out. This is obviously pre cell phone. Maybe there's a, there's CB. I don't know how, but somehow he knew. And, and instead of using some sort of conveyance to go after the kids, he's on foot. Now, earlier they also mentioned that there's this huge storm, but there was no storm. Everything looked no. to be pretty. Well, let's just say there are varying levels of the white stuff. Yeah. Depending on the scene, which is fine. It's a low-budget film. He succumbs to the elements, and they come to this home where Rick, Julie, Papa Doc, Harvey, lovely. Harvey's south wife, Ruth, <laughs> lovely, are assembling for... Whatever it is they're doing. Whatever it is they're doing. <laughs> we don't we know. Don't know. Well, we do know that there's always... They always say, oh, we've got to talk about business. I'm not going to talk about business. So there's some sort of, oh, I want to ask Papa Doc if for a promotion. I want... Harvey is like he's he's a man with he wants to make demands but he's too afraid to, but ultimately this being a killer kid movie is going to come down to the kids offing the members of this clan or disassembled one by one and some of these deaths were really awesome and creative and some were just completely anticlimactic but we have to talk about now we're going to talk about that one scene the scene the, I would say the centerpiece of this movie. Which was so tonally... Because this is a goofy movie. It's a goofy movie. There's some ridiculous lines. So, I mean, the, the, the army character, he's complete... You can't take that kid seriously. <laughs> yeah. the, the kids didn't really ever seem threatening. Some of the things they said, uh, some of the lines, for example, uh, I believe at one point, Leif or Leif says, Oh, you ruined my beautiful face. Like, it's just weird... Okay, no. all right. Well, I, I would argue there's many centerpieces of this film, but mm -hmm. if we're going to go there, uh, Papa Doc is the kind of almost the James Bond villain, and oh. he, he has, if this is the centerpiece you're talking about, he has uh, odd pets up at this no, chalet. Hey, hey, is this not the, no. the same? Okay. I'm talking about the incongruous slow motion protracted black and white bludgeoning scene bludgeoning it went on psychedelic black and white forever the weird psychedelic <laughs> uh, weird psychedelic soundtrack with some animalistic noises something that seemed like it would come out of the work of like your uh, buttergeite you know yep. uh, it was and it was horrendously disturbing we see the kids yeah, actually bashing the guy's limbs whoever this was, and you're going to tell me who this was? Oh, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I, Come on, damn you. I was hoping I, I, for some... For, I, at some... first I thought it was Ralph. I thought, oh, yeah. maybe maybe the, the director said, get impressionistic, and they went to the barn and they met Ralph, and they decided to bludgeon Ralph, but we're seeing them hitting him with hammers and shovels and... and yeah, it was a pitchfork maybe at one time. Yeah, it was all murky. Oh, I my Lord. It was, so not, it was so nihilistic, and it was... You know, at least a dozen bashes with a hammer. They took chains. They were whipping this guy mm. with chains. They hit him in the hand with a hammer. He would let up blood-curdling screams. After it would seem like a half an hour of this, it was really <laughs> yeah. settling. One of the kids asks, is he dead yet? And the yeah, kids and the says, army rugrat says, we got to move the body or well, something. Well, nobody yeah. else says, I sure hope so. I'm like, yeah, I'm right. Man. <laughs> this guy was just hit with chains. Yeah. Pitchforks, hammers, etc. in the head. It, but then, later on, when... Harvey bites it, and he, what he gets is a axe to the neck, essentially decapitation. It's completely bloodless. There's a, a cutaway. Yeah. There's nothing. There is one cool kill. Well, two, two cool kills. And that the one of the cool kills is the one you're going to talk about. And this is the demise of lo the lovely demise of lovely. 
Yeah, well, I don't know. If you had a ski chalet, I don't know. Would you? Is, is that where you would store your uh, vicious tropical, tropical fish? <laughs> like, like, presumably these things need to be fed, unless Ralph is up there year round. And again, we have many, no, many. No, he is year round. Oh, okay, that was, I see. Yeah, that was said. Okay, so you're entrusting the care of this highly complicated, uh, whatever, tropical jungle fish to this slow-witted guy. Fine, fair enough. Uh, the evil Papa Doc. I always want to say Papa John, like the pizza chain, the shitty pizza I'm, chain. I'm, I'm, I'm Papa John, but anyway. <laughs> Either one. And he, he actually explains to the kids that he uses his goldfish as bait for uh, what the kids describe as these ugly things and for the piranha, as he calls them, which is the proper Portuguese pronunciation. Piranha. And like it's just so weird. Well, they use these fish, the kids, to murder... Uh, this woman while she's taking a bath and it was that was really for a winter movie i did not expect someone to meet their maker via piranha mm. but that scene was hilarious because first they attempted the nun comes in and shoves her head underwater her head underwater like the changeling or something around her <laughs> then they release the piranha when the kids comes in pours the piranha and goes from a bucket and <laughs> then you see lovely thrashing around but it's it's shot just enough so there's no there was no nudity in this movie. I don't believe a little that. bit, a okay. little bit with the wrestling scene uh, again. It's the parallels to Swedish porn. But but then you see the uh, aftermath of this, and there's no there's no sign of lovely. She was we were meant to assume she was eaten to the bone. But what look what it looks like in the bathtub is spaghettios, like someone yeah. <laughs> just poured like canned spaghetti in the bathtub. Now. I, I, I guess I would say the that's a, that was maybe the second best kill of the movie. The best kill. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Oh well, it, it's it's a swinging good time. Is it yeah. that kill? Yeah. The oh kill. my god. It, well, uh, there's several kills, and they seem to be. If if you want to say he's the ringleader, this this mini general, he seems to be the guy who's got. I think uh, the sense it was it was actually Leaf Garrett's character. Oh, so he's there. the leader, but he's David, the one who's yeah. who's carrying out the deeds because of his technical skills. At one point, he, um, I guess, uh, fixes up a motor to string someone up by. Uh, he's also he's got, you know, incredible abilities. He shoots uh, guns. He's, geez, where am I going with this? What what, what he he ambushes? Uh, who is it, Rick? No, uh, Rick, one, Rick, one of the Rick survivors. The god, the god caught in the, in the bear traps near the end. And okay, okay. Well, he sets up a swing uh, to uh, ambush, a swing ambush to one of the adults who's coming up the stairs. And I was going to ask you, I, I was going to ask you again, like, is he's he's swinging, which obviously is not going to produce a fatal blow of any kind. Mm -hmm. but he's got some sharp object that he's swinging with to swing into them using. Missed the force of gravity, or whatever. What was that? A couple of knives. Was it? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> all right. So many questions. They they took these kids in because they saw a group of five kids lost in the you know elements in the winter time, and they took pity on them. Not so much Papa Doc, because he was sort of uh, you know uh, remorseless sort of guy. And one of the one of the girls, uh, I don't know if she was feigning it or actually was ill. But then you know they paid the price because they were getting off one by one by these in these uh, increasingly ludicrous ways. Again, that that bludgeoning scene, that psychedelic, weird, trippy, black and white, which was really brutal, had nothing to do with. I mean, it was. I guess it was there to establish the homicidal 
intent of these kids and it was something they might have done prior but i was going to say is that it might have been a flashback exactly but so, we don't know it was the way it was edited. it was haphazardly edited in there was no it was just there and it's like well look i don't i don't understand what, what's it doing here and it was so incongruous to the rest of the film both tonally and just in its placement structurally yeah. yeah and but anyhow um ultimately that's the crux of the film it's the kids killing the denizens of the house Papa Duck gets it. Everyone gets it. Papa Duck is made into a human snowman near the end. It's it's weird. It's 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 weird, wild and wacky. It's just a bizarre movie. And again, product of the seventies. Yet again, I'm going to um, talk about Scott here, but all the horror movies in the seventies, downbeat endings. Hmm. This one too, downbeat ending. Weird. Um, you have a leading man. Who looks well? I guess I was gonna say like it's a pejorative, but hey, this is the seventies. I was gonna say he looks like a seventies porn star. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they look like in the seventies. He was a balding man, mustachioed. Uh, yeah, and there's there's protracted shots like he he's uh, kind of orange complected, uh, obviously f- fake and baked tan, and there's this protracted scene of his bare white ass as he sits Don- on they, the end of Donald Trump as a president elect. That orange that's going to fall out of favor. No, do you think that's going to come back. <laughs> no, no, no. I, th- I think that those days died with the uh, Jersey Shore, okay. but, uh, or maybe died literally from skin cancer. But yeah, a very weird looking guy, and the way he was sitting on the edge of the bed, it was almost Why like is it was orange. I, no, I, don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. But ever since he. Like, he, he now named Linda McMahon to his cabinet. I'm just like this. I've gone from anger to absolute amusement. And <laughs> just well, I was going to say this is an aside, but Vince Neil, uh, mutual favorite, because we like Motley Crue. Wow. Again, sending it back to the he's going to appear. Really stressing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's his troll-like self is going to appear on the Schwarzenegger hosted new um, episode of The Apprentice because he was uninvited to perform at the inauguration. <laughs> Hey, did you see the video where Vince Neil assaulted was drinking with Nicolas Cage and he ended up assaulting that? Uh, I, I did indeed. Yeah, and for a guy who, oh, I was going to say, there's no precedent for this, but there is because Ted Kennedy. But for someone who killed someone with their car, mm-hmm. he certainly made a good career after that. And my God, this guy killed. Yeah, and now he's back as if nothing happened. He's a he's a humble dad. Anyway, uh, this guy. I love the fact that the <laughs> man is now. In yeah. the cabinet. it's just it's. Life has become idiocracy. Yeah, true. Well, but, uh, Mike Judge, the guy made Beavis and Butthead, he made yeah. uh, sat a satirical film 10 years ago called Idiocracy, talking about what the world will be like when everybody loses all semblance of sense and intellect, and life has co- turned into. I got to rewatch Idiocracy and realize, and just because it's been a while since I've seen it, it's one of our, um, our, our good friend uh, Lewis from Sister mm-hmm. Gray, one of his favorite movies, and I have to watch it and note all the parallels sadly <laughs> it's so sad when some of these social satires come to fruition and it has i am i am well in her defense at least she runs a billion dollar enterprise okay but how many, <laughs> yeah no how many i know i know okay like, the, WBF. the fact that he was in the wwe mm-hmm. i think that should disqualify you from all higher office any association with the wwe well, some is Jesse Ventura, but I mean, no, that exactly, exactly. It's, so exactly. That that association is almost on par with any of the major transgressions he's committed. The fact that like the, it's exactly. so tacky, it's like and a, awful, that, like on every Percy, level. Really bad. Yeah. You're in the WWF Hall of Fame. That's and now you're the president. Like that's really fucking. Bad. Yeah, that's really crazy. Then, okay. This this guy in this movie who I liken to you know Arn Anderson. Sorry his, for the his, political. Uh, no, but yeah, his his yeah. butt. 
Like, and I wouldn't ordinarily notice such a thing, but it was like the way it was positioned on the edge of the bed, like this weird white butt. Like it was so bizarre. Like, uh, uh. and well, and also like the Swedish porn aesthetic that this thing had. Was it Lovely and Ruth? Uh, The two of them get into a wrestling match because we find out that this man who's got this legendary head of hair, which is just completely just, uh, I mean. I had them Sparks. before you, and I could have many. Yeah, yeah. That was that was it was that, not, no, that was the gauntlet thrown it was down. Lovely, like I've had. Lovely. Okay, yeah, yeah, I've had your hubby, and then they get into it, and and they roll around on the floor. This was the woman who had previously tried to bed this slow-witted gentleman, but yeah, they get onto it on the floor. She's naked, like they're fighting over this ape. This orange ape, because uh, again the standards are just so uh, that was so bewildering. The lovemaking, the the 70s decor, this the weirdness, the atonality, the sexual undertones. Like this movie is a product of its time, and it, like in again we've talked about this with Sinful Dwarf. How in God's name would a movie like this be made today? Like it's not like mores have changed so much. From the 70s, maybe a little bit regarding drinking and driving, but it's still post-civil rights era. Like, it seemed modern. It doesn't seem so far away that this would happen, because this did not happen so much in the 80s either, right? Like, this was a weird 70s sexual thing. Am I reading too much into it? What was the weird 70s sexual thing? this, This seduction of Ralph was beyond bizarre okay and it's so odd okay. like from and and it would be odd if it, this were just a slasher film it would be inappropriate and off-putting and frankly sinister but the fact that these kids are the protagonists made it so even much more and weird the it, fact that the actress that who was, was seducing ralph Two of her kids were acting in this movie. Oh my god! All the style kids. It's just yeah. yeah you you got to wonder stuff. what what was going on during that production. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm going to ask you first of all, a star rating. Oh my god! Well, uh, uh, I was just a rather befuddled and just completely taken and <laughs> and just mesmerized by this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give it a three and a half because. It demands multiple viewings because it, it, it looks like the product of a focus group that if they'd had 15 fewer focus groups, this would have been something good. At its core, there's a good movie. And then someone tinkered, and then someone who tinkered was tinkered with, and then more tinkering occurred, and then by the end of it... Mm-hmm. Some bureaucratic mix-up ended up with this. So forget about Citizen Kane or like the filmography of like Louis Brunel. Yeah, I was going to say that that, that hallucinogenic scene <laughs> might have been right out of uh, Chienne Andalou. Or... Yeah, this is what deserves multiple viewings. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I like I legitimately uh, lots of questions I have are not answered, and oh oh oh, I, what I say, I forgot what I've learned, but uh, another is the classic mm-hmm. this is the time honored whenever there's a chess scene in a movie and someone loses then automatically you have to stand up and sweep all the pieces right off the board in disgust that's a great movie cliche mm-hmm. and good night howard beckman uh, oh no harvey beckman a uh, great line from the movie uh, harvey beckman plays this uh this precocious wannabe actor kid leif garrett in chess beats him 
the kid is just fantastic. Like they're all precocious. They they're inter- friends, Harvey Beck. Yeah, he, he's just great. Like he, he yeah. kind of stole the show. Like Leif yeah. Garrett as Davy was amazing. Yeah, he's he's a wannabe actor. He's got this giant, I guess, uh, '70s collar. He wears a suit everywhere, mm-hmm. but. Also, his scene where he actually dresses like one of the women they're about to kill, he puts on a wig, so you get a drag scene, which uh, shocked me as far as kids are concerned. Not, I don't want to say as much as Sleepaway Camp, which is the pinnacle of that sort of thing, but he, when he had the wig on, I was shocked. I'm like, oh, again, spoiler. Of wigs, but, speaking yeah. of wigs, uh, in a lot of the scenes, Garrett is actually wearing a wig because... This film, when the, because of the, what happened with the directors, they had to call it back for reshoots, and he had <laughs> torn his uh, his his long lanky seventies Fawcett-esque, you know, whatever you are waiting yeah. for, and he had to wear um, it was like samurai cop esque. It didn't mm. match the other scenes. It was a little shorter, a little more more sandy, a different color, yeah, brown, what have you. But yeah, I'm going to give this one. Uh, it's 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 definitely a uh, what the fuck movie. It's it's as far it's not as what the fuck is like. For example, let's say the baby. As a movie you haven't seen, and I have to spring that upon you one of these days. But I'm, so I'm going to give it two and a half. Um, what did I learn? I, I learned this really has one of the weirdest soundtracks ever, this movie, because with that head and shoulders, knees and toes frame, <laughs> you hear it played on the recorder, you hear it played, you know, as befitting the army kid on the yeah, yeah. horns, you hear it played on the piano, you got like these psychedelic noises, you got these animal sounds. Yeah, just really strange. Oh, and great lines too. We got to say, like, I've never done dishes with a nun before. I mean, who among us can say they have? Uh, just terrific have stuff. Uh, really? No, I'm just kidding. okay. No. <laughs> I was gonna say, do tell. We're gonna extend this podcast by a few minutes, but yeah, and just great, uh, fantastic, like core group of kids. Again, like if I was thinking about uh, Death Weekend by William Fruitt, which is just a great home invasion movie where a guy's trying to like. I don't know, impress this woman by going to an Ontario cottage and he gets they get set upon by thugs. But in this movie, uh, they're not invaded in the sense of a typical home invasion well, they movie. Let in, they yeah. let them in and then everything is hunky-dory at the beginning. They just figure they're a little weird and they say, aren't you a little young to be a nun? But they invite them in with um, blankets and, and um, shelter and, and dinner. Yeah, yeah, and then they take advantage of it. So it is a little bit different, but yeah, if I had to categorize this it's rabid crossed with house on the edge of the park crossed with last house on the left mixed with a swedish porno if you can call it that aesthetic with a little uh, bit of different strokes yeah. <laughs> yeah. and taxi yeah. the sitcom with this weird and, and that just, 70s yeah. uh, like score it was very very mm-hmm. awesome and so thanks dm elms because again didn't know what to expect pleasantly surprised i might get the code red transfer of this because uh, I was reading a blog this morning and it, the the differences are incredible because you know it doesn't look good it's it's been ravaged by time but the the pristine blu-ray looks mm-hmm. quite lovely and oh. I want to give it another shot good job yeah, yeah. yeah. Pres- <laughs> provided it's within a reasonable price range because by by no means is this some five-star classic but anyway what is arguably is our website www.reallyawfulmovies.com and follow us on Twitter, awful underscore movies, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.
Thank you.